Welcome back to Lead Travel Pray. We have Rebecca Ellis and Sandy Schneider with us, and I'm Michelle Strike. Today we will be discussing spiritual disciplines. This episode is meant to be applicable to really any faith background, although our perspective will come primarily from a Christian one since that has been our experience. We have tried to make this something that's more applicable to any of our listeners. And I don't know about you, but I struggle even hearing the word discipline. And one definition that I like when I looked it up to say, okay, why do I have an aversion to discipline? What do I like and what do I not like about it? So one of the definitions that I liked was the activity, exercise, or a regimen that develops or improves a skill. In other words, training. The definitions around following systems and rules is where I personally bristle. And so our topic is not about legalism and following following rules. We're really coming at this from a spiritual discipline is about developing our faith life. And these disciplines are one way to do that. So it's not about doing it because somebody told us to do it when we were a kid or our current church tells us that this is something that we need to do. I want to be really clear about that. So Sandy and Rebecca, I'm curious, what's your reaction when you hear the term discipline in regards to your spiritual life? This is Sandy. I too bristle, Michelle. Um, I think it's something about the word discipline that for me creates this idea of really hard and fast rules around some sort of ritualistic action, like doing something just for the sake of doing it. And so um, I tend to like shy away from that idea and prefer to think about it as spiritual practice. I like that practice. Yeah, I like that too. I think you know, one meaning of the word discipline is like punishment, right? And so I think mm-hmm, it just right? carries that negative connotation, like someone's going to get paddled in the hallway because they're being disciplined, um, like at school when we were kids. So, um, the you know, the most positive framing I can put on it is a habit, a habit that you form mm-hmm. kind of intentionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I hadn't um, thought about it around the punishment side of it, but I bet that that's why I initially have an aversion to it because it seems like, okay, like going to church or something, that could be seen as a punishment. And um, I don't believe that that's how God would have us look at it, right? But if you take discipline as this is something that is going to make you better, gosh darn it, (laughs) you need to really Mm -hmm. do it, then that doesn't really help us want to do it. So I I think that we're all on the same page of saying it's more around a habit, an exercise, a practice Mm -hmm. that um, we are developing related to our spiritual life. So specifically, one area of discipline that many people focus on at different points in their spiritual journey is regularly attending church. It can be challenging to prioritize this among the hubbub of daily life. It can be increasingly challenging when you have kids' activities on the weekend, summer vacations that are happening right now. Those seem to break our routine, and it's just easy to um, have that as your one day to sleep in if you have to go on Sunday mornings. And so it's a habit that is pretty easy to break in my experience. So has there been a period of time where it has been challenging to go to church on the weekends for either one of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is Rebecca, and I have two school-age kids, and 
you know, a lot of sports are on weekends. And so, um, especially when my daughter was playing soccer and um, competing in dance, those competitions were Saturdays and Sundays and primarily a lot of Sunday mornings. So um, I'll talk a little bit about one way my husband and I have served was um, being a Sunday school teacher. And it was embarrassing how often we had to call in substitutes. And that kind of opened my eyes to, you know, how disruptive that was to our routine. Um, But even today that my kids have have backed off of sports a bit, um, this is the fourth Sunday in a row that I'm not in my home um, on a Sunday. Um, So traveling for work, for family events. um, I'm now, you know, four, four Sundays in a row as an example, not being able to go Um, to the local church and so it is difficult and you know the churches that we've attended have primarily not had Saturday afternoon services I know that's a way some churches have mitigated it and certainly um, the Catholic faith a lot of my friends that had kids playing soccer would roll into you know the 430 mass um, but my Mm -hmm. church didn't have that option and so Sunday mornings um, you know have presented challenges I would say in that way yeah absolutely so, Sandy, what about you? I, when I was thinking about a time where it was particularly challenging, I jumped to sort of early adulthood, and it's finding your place in this world and hanging out with friends and having some responsibilities in life, but not major responsibilities quite yet. And at that point in time, my community, the people that I spent a lot of my time and energy with, church was not important to that group of people. It wasn't a value. It wasn't something that um, people made a point of being home uh, at a decent time on Saturday night so they could get up and go to church on Sunday morning. It just wasn't a part of it. And so that was my immediate go-to. And as I was thinking about that, I'm like, okay, it's certainly been challenging after young adulthood and probably for the same root cause reason, which is your community. And when you are living your life in according to everything that's on your plate and you're surrounding yourself with people for which uh, church is not important or not a value or not a priority it's really easy to slip into that schedule that all of your friends and everybody in your community Mm -hmm. is sort of following so I although at first I was sort of attributing it to my um, early adult life I think the the point around community is valid at at any point in Mm -hmm. time great point yeah yeah, I think that that's a good commonality. And honestly, one between the two of you, right? Because Rebecca, like with your kids and activities and things like that, you're surrounded by people who that is what they do on the mm-hmm. weekend, right? And so it's um, this is one where I think that we're oftentimes influenced by how we use our time and how we surround ourselves. And if that's something that we lean into or lean away from. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I've... I've been a regular churchgoer um, since I was young. I think the fact that we went every weekend growing up Mm -hmm. certainly lent itself to doing that. And I went to a religious school for undergrad and there was a chapel right on campus. And um, a lot of people that I went to school with did go on the weekends. And so that was helpful to me. But I, I remember frequently being like the only 
student that I knew there on the weekend sometimes. And I certainly didn't go every weekend, but I think that I went more often than the average college student simply because I was surrounded by that and it was easier for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm grateful for now. At the time, I remember thinking, oh, you know, my friends that are going to state schools are having way more fun than I am being (laughs) at a religious school and taking theology classes and everything. But I think that it continued that habit Mm -hmm. to use um, your way of looking at this, Rebecca. And as as now an an adult who's been fostering my faith for a long time, I'm glad that I didn't have a four year break. Or for me, it was longer because it was also graduate school. I'm glad that I didn't have like an eight or a nine year break of Mm -hmm. um, not attending college or not attending church. Mm-hmm. So um, what has worked for you guys after, you know, you haven't gone for a little while and then you're back. So what has worked to make it more of a regular priority to where you feel like you're going because you want to, not because you have to? <laughs> Sandy, do you want to go first? <laughs> sure. For for me, it's all about finding the right church, and the the right church is different for everybody. There's no one right church, but you mm-hmm. know when you are in that place. You know when you walk in, and it immediately feels like home, even though you've never been there before. You know when you seem to connect easily with the people in that church all around you, and then once you know that you have found your church home then it's it's fun enjoyable to go and it's something that i look forward to so for me it's absolutely finding the right church and then it it becomes less about having to go to church every weekend um and trying to figure out how am i going to squeeze in one more thing to do on my to-do list but really looking forward to it being a a pleasurable enjoyable experience that i don't want to miss yeah my answer is very similar in that it's probably more of the social aspects that draw me to make it a priority um more of the want to versus have to Uh, But I will say signing up to teach Sunday school or having like regular obligations, um, be it committees or things you're serving on. I mean, that I think is what makes it probably the utmost priority. That's not more for your own like internal reasons. Um, So having a little external kind of draw and motivation and then a little Mm -hmm. internal for me has probably helped make it most regular. And I do think to Sandy's point, that sense of community only will come if you find the right environment, that that right kind of belonging. And so I do think church shopping is one of the harder things to do in that regards to kind of figure out where you'll fit best. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I find that you have to give it um, more than one or two weekends. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've church shopped and end up on their um, weekend where they're talking about giving money (laughs) (laughs) or going over the church vision for the The year or something like that. Mm. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And um, so every church has to do that, right? It's how they they can build and expand. However, you know, that's not where you're going to figure out, okay, is this church for me? So you have to give it time to get through um, any given week or weekend when um, it may be a little off in some way from what they would normally be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Rebecca, it seems like a lot of what you get most out of church is the community and being able to serve and volunteer and get back, give back. So Sandy, I'm wondering, um, what do you get most out of church? 
for me, it's all about the message. So what am I coming here, to, coming to church to hear um, that weekend? From the Bible, from the pastor's interpretation of it, it's absolutely the message. And I have to do a shout out while I've got the opportunity uh, to Pastor Jay at Real Life Christian Church in Central Florida. He is amazing at delivering God's word in a really casual, informal way to which thousands of people who are listening to him all feel like he's talking directly to him, which I just think is an amazing God-given talent to be able to speak to people and regardless of their background, their current challenges, whatever's going on in their life, they're taking away something specific about that message on that particular day, which of course has God's fingerprints all over mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. For me, I think it's an hour, hour and 15 minutes or whatever it is, an hour to truly worship God and soak it in by being around other people who are trying to walk out faith. And at the church that I go to, there's a decent amount of people who attend that are seeking uh, uh, to just know, is there a God out there? And what does that relationship look like? So I'm certainly not surrounded just by people who believe the exact same things that I believe. And I, I like that. I like being around people who are different than me, yet still seeking that relationship and that guidance. And mm-hmm. uh, so, so that's good. At my church during the summer, our pastor takes off a few months. He's required by the board to do that so that he stays fresh and rejuvenated um, because it can uh, be a lot Mm -hmm. to pastor large churches. And um, one of the things that I look forward to is that we bring in other pastors from churches around the country who um, we have developed relationships with as a church. And then we also have pastors within our church who we don't normally hear from that get up and speak. And um, it's just a great opportunity to hear from a completely different perspective. And um, I typically go on Saturdays. And um, last night we had a visiting pastor who comes every single year. And I got so much from his message. And it's just fun to hear a different style. And um, he's really funny and how he talks about God. He's very informal in that and very young. And uh, so it was good. Um, So anything else that you guys want to add about church and making it a habit? I wanted to jump in on something, Rebecca, you mentioned earlier, and that was around church shopping. And I am a firm believer, as I mentioned, that there's no one right church, and it's trying to figure out what's right for you in this season of life. Um, which does require going and trying out of oftentimes a variety of churches. I have heard in the, particularly in the Christian community, sort of some negative um, judgment around the concept of church shopping, like you're shopping for the right message or the right interpretation. And I actually see it a little bit differently. It's not about shopping to hear what it is you want to hear, but more about Um, finding the place that feels like home, finding the place that excites you and motivates you to go, to get involved, to meet the people, to build relationships. Um, And so I I absolutely agree, particularly in times of relocation, which Rebecca, you have done fairly recently, Mm -hmm. like you've got to figure out where's my new church home, I have to pick a new place. And really, the only way to do that is by giving them Mm -hmm. a try. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do think you're right. They're not one size fits all. Like the first church we thought we had settled on didn't really meet the kids' needs. And so it was like, okay, we can go down the street to this mega church that's two blocks away that has amazing youth programming that I'm not sure is a great fit for me. Or, you know, so you just had to keep kind of finding till you found all mm-hmm. the right sort of elements in one place. But mm-hmm. for the whole yeah, family. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think another area where it can be challenging to develop a regular practice is prayer and quiet time. I think it's easy to hit the day running, go hard, and then crash at the end of the day without even once attending to God during that time. I certainly find myself um, through going through an entire day and at the end of the day realizing I really never slowed down to talk or listen to God. I just went about my day the way that I wanted to go about my day or the way that I thought I needed to survive that day. (laughs) I can tell a difference in myself, though, when I don't make that time. Frankly, I'm crabbier, I'm more judgmental, (laughs) and I'm less present on these days. I can tell at the end, if I just do a very quick inventory, I'm like, oh, I was Michelle-focused and not God-focused throughout that day. So when I begin my day with prayer and take time to do it in small increments throughout the day, I can tell a difference um, instantly. So I'm wondering, um, Sandy, for you, what has helped you develop a regular practice around prayer? Yeah. And girl, it's not just you that's crabbier and okay, good. I'm glad and, um, has a bad day because I'm totally right there with you. Um, and so I, I think what has helped me um, is at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. And you guys got to know that the, like I'm not at all perfect or the role model on this. Um, but what I strive to do um, in the morning is to reflect on my daily devotional. Um, which has become part of my morning routine. So, you know, get up and shower and get dressed. And as I'm putting on my jewelry and getting ready to to walk out of my bedroom and start the day, my daily devotional is sitting there, which helps me to sort of reframe and refocus, okay, what's really important today? And it counters the to-do list that I've already had running in my head since the Mm -hmm. moment I woke up. And then at the end of the day, it looks like, appreciation and and thanking God for the blessings of the day even in bad days where things don't go the way I wanted them to go or there were challenges I didn't expect the reality is that I have unending amount of blessings in my life and by all means I can come up with three of them um, to thank God for which certainly again reframes my day at the end so those are my sort of bookends of the day that have really helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. What about for you, Rebecca? Yeah, I would say that I'm still aspiring to be more regular in my practice. Um, I'm much better in the morning. I do use the app First Five, which is like the first five minutes of your mm-hmm. day. It's not too different than um, version, I, I believe. But um, I liked kind of the um, focus and... I've got the little alarm that sets it, and I'm trying to figure out how to get better push notifications from it, because frankly, I'm not always so good at picking up on those other cues. Um, but I, I do think I'm more generally like a reactive prayer than a proactive one. And, um, you know, like when I need something, when people are 
you know, when I get a um, message or an alert that like someone's um, not well or a family member um, of a friend has died, like I'm always like, oh yeah, I do my prayer list. Like those things I do again, more like reactively, but I don't know that proactively I'm as good as I'd like to be um, in that way. And the gratitude journal i have tried stopped and started many many times so (laughs) again um definitely not perfect in my um, practice here but i do think there are benefits for sure and um yeah it's just something to aspire to and you know if we think about it as spiritual practice versus spiritual discipline then those days when we didn't knock it out of the park where we forgot to write in our gratitude journal where we got so wrapped up in our to-do list for the day that we ran out of the house and missed the opportunity to stop and and pray and start the day on the right foot then it's it's less I think there's less judgment around like I failed Mm -hmm. today once again I failed to complete my gratitude journal or whatever it might be but if we think about it as a spiritual practice, of course, it, when you're practicing, you're never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be off days where you miss the ball or whatever it might be. Um, so I think you're practicing, Rebecca, and you're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, ladies. You're good role models I for like me. That. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Thinking about it as a practice and not to judge ourselves um, when we don't do it well it's to say okay how did that day go was i pretty disconnected from god maybe as a reason for that and then next day try to start it differently right develop Mm -hmm. a new practice one of the things that i've tried to be more intentional about i would say over maybe the last year to two years is within my bible study group we have a group text chain that if we went back and counted like the text string between us and how many texts there have been, it's definitely way into the thousands. And we will frequently email or text each other prayer requests. And I found myself saying, I will pray and not. And so what I started to hold myself accountable to is do not respond back to that text until I have prayed. And hold yeah. myself accountable for stopping for 30 seconds in this moment, right? And doing it right then because I'm well-intentioned. We're all well-intentioned when we say, I will pray for that. But I was finding myself then 50% of the time just forgetting because I would see it. I would then be doing something else and stop. And um, so I was like, do not reply until you do that. And then sometimes if it was a really se- serious thing, I would put my prayer in the text. Mm-hmm. And um, really allow that for other people to see other people in my group do that. And sometimes I would look and I'm like, that person's prayer, I couldn't say it any better. And so I just read their prayer aloud and say that. And so I would say that that's a a habit that I was like, stop saying that you're going to do it. Find a way Mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. That's a great example, Michelle. And I love texting your prayer Um, so that others can benefit from that as well and uh, there are absolutely people in my life who pray way uh, my judgment pray way better than I do or more eloquent more um, direct in their their praying life and so yeah if there's a a fantastic prayer that's spot on and I have the opportunity to reflect on that and to Mm -hmm. to say that exact prayer that's that's only going to help me in my intention of supporting whatever is going on in this person's life. 
Yeah, yeah. So as you were talking, Sandy, it was making me think of um, a cousin of mine reached out and uh, was struggling with something, and I um, texted her a pretty long prayer, and she said that it was an amazing thing to get because she was driving and her car reads text messages that come Uh. through aloud. And so it read this prayer to her out loud. And she said, it was just great to hear this prayer, just like wash over me and that that was really impactful. And so it was just another reminder for me to sometimes when it is a big deal and I feel prompted, put it in, just type it out. Don't just say it silently in my head, which I certainly do a decent amount, but sometimes it's a big enough deal that it's like, let that, let those words wash over that mm-hmm. person, even if it's short. Right. <laughs> Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have been some of the benefits for you, Sandy, in um, developing more of a practice around prayer? In the morning, it absolutely starts my day on the right foot. It refocuses me on what is God's plan for me today, not necessarily everything that's on my to-do list. And then at the end of the day, after I've got wrapped up in all the craziness of life, the the appreciation and gratitude helps me to reflect on the blessings that I have that are God given. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so easy for me to get wrapped up on things in things that didn't go very good in the day. Mm -hmm. And I prefer to end my day really focused on the things that are good in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have the same practice at the end of the day. I think that we've talked about that on other podcasts. I've been doing it um, this August, I think will be three years of um, gratitude journaling at the end of each day. Awesome. And I did go, make girl. it a habit. I said 30 days and then three years later, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I'd still be doing yeah, it. It's fantastic. Yeah. So thank you both for sharing some of your spiritual disciplines and practices. For our audience, um, please post a comment on a spiritual discipline that you have been working on. We'd like to hear what you're focusing on in your daily faith walk. And whether that be from a Christian perspective or any other perspective, we just love to hear what our audience is dealing with. And you can join us at leadtravelpray.com and anywhere that you can subscribe to podcasts. So thank you.